When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to this DuPont Media production, available on all major podcast platforms. This is Rod Peterson On Demand. But you Calvin Ridley's happy that Aaron Rodgers signed a $200 million four-year deal. Nobody's talking about Calvin Ridley anymore today. No. Because of Aaron, a rash putting on Twitter, investing nearly half a billion dollars into a quarterback with one Super Bowl appearance. Truly hilarious. You know, when you think about that, it's 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 about value, right? Are you bringing in a guy who's worth the money you're going to pay him, and can you bring enough pieces around him to, to put a championship team together? This is the Rod Peterson Show. It is. Hello, Canada and Canadian sports fans in the United States of America. Welcome to the RP Show. It is Hour 2, proudly presented by our friends at Great Western Original 16 Beer. The best beer in the game. We are live from Great Eagle Resort and Casino, and what a show. Theron Fleury was with us in hour one. He of the 1,088 NHL points in 1,084 NHL games. You're going to want to go back and watch that if you missed it. Our next guest I'm going to get to in a moment, and I appreciate him joining us from Seattle, Michael Sean Duger from the Athletic Seattle to talk about the Russell Wilson trade. But I'll remind him and the viewers that this is... Primarily Canada's daytime sports entertainment show. So I got to get into some scores from draw 13 from the Briar just down the road in Lethbridge, Alberta. Okay, because people are getting very excited in the homeland about what's happening with the Saskatchewan teams. Just off the ice, Saskatchewan's Colton Flash won 12-3 over UConn to improve to 4-2. Team Canada's Brendan Botcher has a 7-6 lead over Team Wildcard 2, Team Dunstone. 7-6, they're playing the 10th. Matt Dunstone looking to go to 7-0. and And a final, New Brunswick's James Gratton over PEI, 9-3. And they're playing the 10th, Glenn Howard of Ontario, a 7-3 lead over Newfoundland Labrador's Young, 7-3. So two scores in from draw 13 this afternoon. And coming up, our vaunted NHL top five, bottom five, which we didn't get to last hour because of our chat with Theo. Very welcome interruption there. So, again, Michael Sean Duger covers the Seahawks for the Athletic out of Seattle. Mike joins us today from the Emerald City to talk about this trade. And, uh, Mike, I appreciate the, the time. Our poll question today is who's, who won this trade? The Denver Broncos for getting Russell Wilson, clearly the best player, or the Seattle Seahawks who have kick-started the rebuild with just an amazing bundle of picks and players? How would you answer that question, sir? Uh, thanks for having me, man. Uh, quick correction. Last name Dugar. Just to throw that out there. Uh, okay. Quick. Um, 
Uh, to, to answer your question, though, I think that the team that gets, put it this way, at a time when teams are talking themselves into potentially giving up assets for the right to start Carson Wentz or Jimmy Garoppolo, I think the team that gets a nine-time Pro Bowl quarterback who is, what, 33, they win any trade. You just do. Quarterbacks are too scarce right now, and the good ones, the consistent ones, are just so, so, so hard to find. Um, and when you don't have a quarterback, chances are you're going to get fired in the near future. Um, so I think the Broncos won this trade by a mile, and there's really no other way to put it. Wow, I appreciate the insight. That is tremendous insight. And I guess it goes with that adage, that the one that I just learned recently, whoever gets the best player in the trade wins the trade. And, of course, it's too early to make that, de that declaration, but I like the way you think. But please tell me how and why. Just last week, Seahawks coach Pete Carroll said they're not trading Russell Wilson, and a week later, he's gone. What happened there? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people heard what they wanted to hear with Pete Carroll's quote at the Combine. I was there, you know. He said, we have no intention of making a move there. That is not the same as we are not trading him. And I think that Pete's words were very intentional there, and everyone just kind of was like, oh, they're not trading the seat, trading Russ. I was like, well, hold on. He didn't say that, right? And then I talked to John Schneider about three hours later after Pete's comments uh, last Wednesday, and he wouldn't go as far to say that they're not trading Russell either. He said they're not shopping him, um, which also might not have been true. But even if that was uh, true, that they weren't shopping him, well, okay, that doesn't mean teams aren't calling uh, to see what's up. You're not hanging up on them, you know, so you're negotiating. Essentially, you're listening. So I think that this was always potentially in the cards. You know, I, I gave behind the scenes a little bit. You know, I sat down Wednesday morning to write a story about where I thought the Russell situation was. And uh, the first line, this is before any trade news. The first line was um, the Seahawks don't want to trade Russell Wilson. And then the very next line was, but that doesn't mean that they won't. Right? And I wanted people to kind of understand that, like the odds of him getting traded were better than zero. And I feel like after the combine, people assumed that it was zero. And I came away from the combine thinking it was anything but. Well, Mike, before we look ahead and what this means for the Seahawks, where there's smoke, there's fire in pro sports. So there's been some disgruntledness, if that's a word, between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks for a while. Is this a Tom Brady situation where a relationship just soured over time? Or why was this starting to be talked about as much as a year ago or earlier? Yeah, you know, I mean, how long was Tom there? You know, 100 years? You know, like, that's really hard to do, man. Like, 10 years is what Seattle and Russell Wilson did. And, yeah, it was, it was about time in their eyes. I think they, they probably could have stuck it out for another year just because, you know, people in Seattle, they've just gotten they, – they can get through so much stuff, man. They went through everything from, you know, players drag racing outside the facility. They've had to deal with domestic violence. They've had to deal with, like, guys fighting before the Super Bowl. You know, one of the players um, alleged that he almost got killed by the police in Las Vegas. You know, they've had just had infighting in general, guys not liking each other. Um, so, I mean, explosive stories in the media. They've dealt with a lot of stuff there and just kept winning. So I feel like they could have, you know, toughed it out for another year. So I don't necessarily want to say I thought it was time, but they did. You know, Russ kind of wanted something different, you know, and sometimes you just do. You know, on my, uh, my podcast, the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, you know, I made the analogy of like you, you go to work every day and you eat a chicken sandwich, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for lunch, you have a chicken sandwich. Maybe on Friday, you just want tuna, you know, not even because tuna is better than chicken. 
you just want a different type of sandwich on that day. And I think that's kind of where Russ got to. He did something for 10 years. He had some success with it. He didn't get the success he wanted ultimately. He was like, all right, I'm going to try something new. And with Seattle, um, it kind of came to a point where, A, your guy wants to go. Um, and it got to a, I think they got a little, not, not arrogant, but, you know, in this business, because lifespans are so short with the, uh, with players, what is it, 3.3 years or something, you kind of have to feel like guys are replaceable, even if they are quarterbacks, you know, as irrational as that may sound. So I think they kind of got to a point where, you know, all right, maybe we can't coexist and we have to feel like we can replace you. You know, they felt like that for years. And so it just finally came to a head, you know, yesterday. Our viewers have some questions for you. They love the NFL talk. Ryan H. watching on YouTube says, does Mike think Pete Carroll will stick around or will they make a change at head coach as well? Well, you have to define who they is that would make the change. And they is really only Jody Allen, the owner of the team, right? And she also owns the Portland Trailblazers pretty much just kind of by herself uh, pretty much up here in Seattle. So uh, I don't think so. I think Pete will get this year. But I don't think it lasts much longer than that. I mean, think about the situation here in Seattle. This is really unique, right? So Pete Carroll came in 2010, basically leading a rebuild, right? That uh, Jim Mora basically left him after the 2009 season. He successfully rebuilds. He wins a championship. And now he's basically reading, leading the next rebuild. And uh, that's pretty rare, man. You, it's a rebuild that he kind of caused. I know Russ won it out, but like Russ won it out because of the moves that the team made or didn't make. So, like, he, I don't imagine him getting to rebuild, have success, cause the need for another rebuild, and then see that one all the way through. That's just not how the NFL works. So, um, unless they hit on, like, uh, unless they draft, like, Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter, the Kenny Pickett kid, and one of those guys is the next Mahomes, you know, barring, like, a miracle uh, where they land another franchise quarterback right after losing one, kind of like the Colts did, um, going from Manning to Luck, I think that everyone in the building um, is basically on thin ice because that's just how the game goes. You usually don't get to see the rebuild through if you're part of the staff that caused it. Yeah, no kidding. Great comments, Mike. I'm enjoying this. And we do have a lot of Seahawks fans that watch uh, Game Plus television is carried through the state of Washington and Oregon on TDS cable. So the trade is Russell Wilson and a fourth to Denver in exchange for two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a fifth-rounder, along with quarterback Drew Locke, defensive end Shelby Harris, and tight end Noah Fant, the Broncos' first-round draft pick in 2019. That is a haul. What does this do for the Seahawks, and what's the toughest division in the National Football League, the NFC West? What does this do for them? I mean, it gives them a bunch of lottery tickets, I guess. Like, I'm not really super high on the picks for players, immediate swap, just because everyone loves picks until they become a player that they don't like. Right? That's just kind of how it works. You know, everyone will love that they have to pick number nine until Pete and John use it on the wrong, what they feel is the wrong guy. Right? That happens a lot. You know, Seattle had pick, you know, 18 in 2018 after they missed the playoffs. They traded out of it, ended up with pick 27 took Rashad Penny, who didn't become the guy that they needed him to be until four years into his deal. Uh, meanwhile, that number 18 pick they passed on ended up being Jair Alexander in the year that the Seahawks needed a cornerback because they just cut Richard Sherman, right? But heading into the draft, oh, we got pick, you know, 18. You know, that's great. You know, same thing happened in 2019 when they traded Frank Clark to the Chiefs and got pick 29 out of that draft. So they had pick 21 and 29. And it's like, oh, it's exciting. We have two first-round picks. 
OPEC 29 ended up being LJ Collier, who no one likes, right, in Seattle. You know, I don't mind LJ, fine guy, but like he's the fan base. You Google his name right now, it'll get ugly. So I just think that uh, right now, you call it a haul. You're right, it is a haul of picks, but that's just all it is right now. Picks don't necessarily win you games. Players win you games. And so it just gives them lottery tickets that may or may not cash. And if you look at the history of this, uh, this, this uh, front office in the past, I don't know, five, six years, it's more likely than not that some of these tickets are just going to flop. And that's really scary to think about. Well, I should ask you how this is going over in Seattle because Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl there. He's obviously a hero and he can put his feet up for the rest of his life. He will never buy another lunch in Seattle, I would suspect, because of that. So how's this going over in the Emerald City that he's gone? Yeah, it's, it depends on which kind of narrative you subscribe to. Right? And I try to do a good job of it on our latest Seahawks man-to-man podcast and with the story we just dropped on The Athletic with me and my coworkers, Mike Sando and Jason Jenks, is that, you know, on one hand, Seattle, you can tell, kind of wants to frame this behind the scenes is that Russell Wilson won it out. And that's true. He did. But you can also tell that on Russell's side behind the scenes, they want to frame it as the Seahawks didn't want him anymore, which is also true. Um, but it's not just either or, it's both. And I think, but if you subscribe to only one of those, like if you subscribe to the idea that Russell just won it out, well, then you're pretty upset with Russell today, you know, because it's not like he's played like super well the past year and a half to just kind of dip out on the franchise, you know. Um, but if you if you subscribe to the notion that like, oh, wait a minute, man, Pete Carroll and Josh Snyder chose themselves over Russell Wilson, a top five quarterback right now? at a time when teams are talking themselves into Mitch Trubisky and Marcus Mariota? What is wrong with those guys? So it just depends on where, it, it's, it's a divide based on narrative, which is why I'm trying to like operate in the middle and show people that it was, it was both. This was a mutual divorce and you, there's, there's plenty of blame uh, to assign to both sides. Yeah, I believe it's never mutual. I hear that, I just, don't think it ever is. But, Mike, this has been awesome. Where can people, I mean, the Seahawks fans obviously know they follow you, but for everybody else, where can they follow your stuff? You can follow me on Twitter, at Mike Dugar. That's M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. My author page that links straight to The Athletic is always in my bio. I always pin uh, the latest episode of our Seahawks Man-to-Man podcast at the top of my Twitter page. So, essentially, my Twitter is just a one-stop shop for all the ways you can find my content. Great job, Mike. Uh, I appreciate the time and uh, filling in so quickly, and uh, have a great day out there in Seattle. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Mike Dugar from The Athletic Seattle and, as he said, the Seahawks Man-to-Man podcast. On the way after the break, Dr. David Legg will join us, MRU professor and the past president of the Canadian Paralympic Committee. A few things to mention. March Madness is coming. And we ask you to join the RP Show's March Madness Bracket. And you could win some great prizes from the show and our partners. Just visit our social media channels and sign up or click the link in the live YouTube chat right now. Clark will put it up there. Just eight days left to enter now. Selection Sunday is March 13th. That's this Sunday. Games will start one week from Friday. And by the way, the BCLA is the best continental professional basketball league in the Americas, and it's coming to Calgary March 14th to the 16th live at Windsport Arena. The top leagues in the Americas are represented, including the CEBL champion Edmonton Stingers. Tickets are on sale now at cebl.ca. That is 
the league's official website, cebl.ca, March 14th to the 16th. We'll see you at Windsport Arena. Again, as I mentioned, it's been a little bit of a tornado today. Theo tends to do that, right? So we didn't get to our NHL top five and bottom five, but we're going to do that right now. Are you ready, Clark? We got it. Every Wednesday we do it with the RP show as designated by the host. And you let me know when you're ready to go. As a matter of fact, I am. Number one team in the National Hockey League, despite stubbing their toe last night in New Jersey, is the Colorado Avalanche. They got the most wins in the NHL at 41 and the best winning percentage at 750. Second best team in the NHL is the Carolina Hurricanes, officially now the number one team in the East. Number three team, the Florida Panthers, officially tied with Carolina and an NHL leading plus minus at plus 70 and the most power play goals in the league. That's hot, even for Florida. Number four team in the NHL is the Calgary Flames. Number one in the Pacific and oddly, more road wins than home wins. And I think that'll bode them well in these Stanley Cup playoffs. And number five, the fifth best team in the, in the uh, National Hockey League is the Tampa Bay Lightning. The three-peat dream is alive. And they visit Calgary Thursday night. So let's settle this once and for all. Who's better, Lightning or Flames? Shades of 2004 coming up Thursday night. The bottom five. Number 28, the Buffalo Sabres. They still can't win for losing. Number 29, the Chicago Blackhawks. Sellers at the deadline with the number one prize in the flower. Don't screw it up. Number 30, the Montreal Canadiens, third worst team in the NHL. I can't bear to put them last, especially how they're playing under Martin St. Louis. Number 31, the Seattle Kraken. Last place in the Pacific and not getting better. And unfortunately, number 32, the worst team in the NHL, remains the Arizona Coyotes. Poor Andre Tourigny saddled with this. That is our NHL top five and bottom five. Dr. David Legg joins us next. We're live from Gray Eagle Resort and Casino on Game Plus Television, live streaming on YouTube and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com. Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. You gotta subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed. We're live from Great Eagle Resort and Casino, situated now on the stage bar after a month in the event center, and it's just been fantastic. Always lots going on on the RP show. And uh, before we get to our next guest, the text line is open. You can always reach us here at 902-518-3033. The number is on the screen. Ron Thompson's watching in Calgary on Game Plus Television. He says, how can the NHL Hall of Fame not see what an awesome person Theron Fleury is and how hard he works to correct his wrongdoings and continues to improve so many other people's lives? He'll be inducted at some point. I certainly hope that he will be. It's the biggest snub in any Hall of Fame as far as I'm concerned. Unfortunately, that's hockey in the bad way. It has its warts. Norm Fong, the Hall of Fame equipment manager of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, speaking of Hall of Famers watching, he says, Rod, great interview with Theo. Dan McCabe's watching uh, in the Queen City. He says, morning RP show, great interview. I could listen to you and Theo for hours. Here's my complaint. I know hockey's crazy big in Canada, but how many hours, days, weeks do we need to talk about 
trade deadline, the possibility of players being traded. Um, it's the way it is, bro. <laughs> Have you heard of ESPN? Have you heard of NFL Network? It's what we do. It's like me asking for pizza on the buffet here. We'll do the talking, you do the watching. They do the cooking, I do the eating. Dan says, I'm glad the RP show doesn't spend too much time on this topic. You know, I get it. You hear our next guest giggling. I'm going to get into him in a, in a second. Just a sports update before we go any further. Uh, where do we start? Canada hauled in another three medals at the Beijing Paralympics. Brian McKeever of Canmore, Alberta, claimed his 15th gold with a win in the men's vision-impaired cross-country skiing sprint. While Natalie Wilkie of Salmon RMBC won gold in women's sprint standing pair across country, Brace Bridge Ontario's Colin Cameron captured bronze in the men's sprint sitting pair across country race. Canada was, has won 16 medals in Beijing, trailing only China with 31 and Ukraine with 19. Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals continue their tour of Western Canada with a stop in Edmonton tonight. Ovi scored twice last night in a 5-4 decision over the Calgary Flames and was booed every time he touched the puck. Third straight win for Washington. Orders, meanwhile, have lost three in a row. Elsewhere tonight, the Montreal Canadiens visit the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver's won five of its last six. The sports update for Ballers Rec Room. Check out our brand new line of games and for the Tap Brewhouse and drive through Liquor Store. Also, Red Bull Canada. Red Bull gives you wings. <laughs> Well, I'm very excited to welcome our next guest, Dr. David Legg, MRU professor, past president, Canadian Paralympic Committee, and what you probably don't know, doctor. First of all, welcome to the RP Show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for um, having me here. This, this is a awesome. fun little thing, hey? This is amazing. This is incredible. It is incredible, yeah. yes. And I'm MRC alum. I knew that. Yeah, Come did, on, how did, did you know? Nobody knows that. Lee told me. Ah, there you go. I know these the man. He's a man about town. You are a professor of... Health and physical education. Oh, so I'd have been in your area. That's then. right. And I teach uh, more specifically sport management and then adapted physical activity. So sport and recreation for people with disabilities. That sounds like a lot of fun. Ah, I love it. It's, uh, it, I do. I've, I've been in Mount Royal for 25 years now. Uh, you know, the, what's the, the cliche line? Haven't worked a day in my life. Like, I, I do. I Good really, I love it. Love it. I love it. Went in a nine iron for you to get over here too, <laughs> right? That's the thing. So number one. That's where I look from. Where are my students? Oh. <laughs> and do you live close by the campus? I used to. I used to live in Glamorgan. My wife and I moved our three sons out to Cochrane about 10, well, 15 years ago. Well, that's not too bad either. That's, no. And that's close. Yeah. Sure. It's funny because here at Gray Eagle, we've been here for a month and we're going to be here yeah. for some time. And I come, we're living here. I come down to the buffet. I'm like, this feels like <laughs> dorm at Mount Royal back in the day. It's so much fun. Obviously, we're having a lot of fun. Um, Paralympics, though. Yeah. Past president of the, yeah. the committee, Canadian committee. So you're following what's going on very closely over there. Yeah. Well, it's a fascinating games, um, both from the geopolitical perspective right i mean uh russia invades ukraine following the olympic games and this pattern seems to be repeating itself because the same thing happened in 2014 um during the sochi games so russia invaded the crimea uh, peninsula following the olympic games while the paralympic games were, were taking place so you know again eight, you know eight, eight, eight years later the same pattern repeats itself and just fascinating stories right the international paralympic committee initially agrees to allow athletes from belarus and russia 
to compete and participate, but not under their, their flags. And then 24 hours later, they decide to ban them outright. And then in addition to that, the team from Ukraine, which you just mentioned is actually second in the medal yeah. tally right now, wasn't sure they were even going to be able to get there, but obviously did, um, and is doing just extremely well. So some really interesting storylines there. Canada right now third in the medal tally. Some people, do you remember back when you used to have hockey pools when Wayne Gretzky was playing for the Oilers? You wouldn't allow him. You wouldn't yeah. allow Gretzky to even be part of it. Well, some, yeah. some people are a little bit like that with, with China now. They are just so strong and so good that, you know, you just kind of, it's, it's almost a foregone conclusion that they're going to win the medal tally. So you don't kind of include them anymore. Yeah. Uh, Wildest thing, though, Catriona uh, Lamedon was yeah. down here. I say it that way because well, I finally well, learned. It's the Scottish. That's right. It. That's it's, what it's she said. Catriona Lamedon. And you know what her role was, chef de mission for Canada in uh, the Olympics. And she said she doesn't count medals. Like, I, I, she literally doesn't. And I thought, what a way of looking at it. Have yeah. you ever looked at it that way? <sighs> I, well, and, I, and I, I think I understand her perspective on it. I mean, it's the individual athlete's journey. I mean, the fact that they're just competing at the world stage and at the world level is probably in and of itself just an amazing and, you know, a, a, a meaningful accomplishment. However, um, this is how we judge ourselves. The sure. world measures itself based on the different metrics, whether it's number of gold medals won, whether it's number of medals won. You know, our funding system, right or wrong in a Canadian national sport context, is based on how you perform at the international level. So, you know, metrics matter. Um, but I also not going to disagree with Katriana in, in so far as that, you know, each individual, each individual athlete's journey there in and of itself is just a fantastic story and a fantastic accomplishment. You know, it's interesting though, because 20 years in the CFL here, that's how I got to know Lee, 17 years in major junior hockey. And I, what I've realized through the pandemic is the fans just want to watch the games. They don't <laughs> want to know what's going on behind the scenes, i.e. You want to eat the hot dog, you don't want to see how you make the hot dog, sure. right? And I just wonder for the Olympics and Paralympics, how stressful is it with global unrest? Like you said, yeah. this isn't new, what we're dealing with right now with Ukraine and Russia. How stressful is that on a committee to send your athletes over and maybe host the games? Oh, it's, it's incredibly stressful and, and complicated and um, complex and, and gray. And, you know, so even the decision that the IPC had to make, I mean, that they rescinded within 24 hours because of pressure, I believe, from athletes and various national mm -hmm. Paralympic committees that were pressuring and saying, well, if you're not going to ban them, then we're not coming. Or sponsors. I mean, perhaps it was the international sponsors like a Toyota or saying, you know, again, saying, we, we don't support this. And if you're not pulling out, then potentially our sponsorship. I'm not saying that that's what happened, but that could have been some of the conversations and scenarios that take place behind the scenes that then lead to what people are seeing insofar as the athletes playing. I, w I would disagree, though. I think people love talking about well, uh, I do. the behind-the-scenes. I do, you but know, I just get the sense that most. <laughs> you and I do, obviously. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm biased. Maybe I'm, I'm naive to what the general public wants, but I love thinking about the, the permutations, the complexities, the, the issues that need to be discussed in order for the game to take to take place and I you know the, these Paralympics taking place in Beijing are no are no small matter right I mean just even the the the, the weather piece of it and the snow and ensuring that there's proper uh, playing atmospheres um, the, the complexity as it relates to the accessibility side of things um, you know again it's one thing to provide an opportunity for a number of able-bodied athletes who perhaps are able to easily get off and on buses but it's another thing then when you're trying to yeah. transport entire groups of individuals who may need to use wheelchairs or have visual impairments and it's I love that side of it and then the legacy piece of it where an entire society an entire community now is more attuned to perhaps some of those behind-the-scenes issues mm -hmm. that really do 
challenge us to, to run the sporting event itself. Well, God bless people like you and the leaders <laughs> that want to do that. I mean, I lead in my own way in another segment of life. But it's like you just got through COVID if you got through COVID yeah. because China is still locked down yeah. from what I understand. And then, and then, and then this. Yeah. With the Ukraine and Russia, I mean, so... Well, and, 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 you know, Calgary has hosted a couple of bubbles, quote-unquote, when yep. we did the curling events. Um, yeah, the, again, the complexity and the sophistication and just the administrivia that needs to take place in a context that we're talking about here to ensure that athletes are safe, um, both, you know, from a performance perspective, but also as it relates to COVID. It's, it's just got to be overwhelming. And I, I have a couple of friends and colleagues who are on the ground, both during the Olympic Games and now in the Paralympic Games. And it is, you know, for them, a really interesting lens on how these games are so different. You know, so I, you know, obviously Tokyo was similar, but prior to that in Pyeongchang and Rio de Janeiro and even Sochi and in London, the differences in the ways that athletes are able to more move more freely um, from one venue to the next, you know, having to run the opening ceremonies in a certain way to ensure that there's not a transmission of the of, of the of the COVID virus. Like it, it's fascinating, actually, the the length that organizers have to go to in order to run these events. Mm -hmm. You talk about those athletes. You mentioned the challenges involved in transportation and so yeah. forth, but how important it is to the athletes. You you know, it's it's so much fun to watch. Oh, well, I've I've had a chance to go to a number of Paralympic Games as an administrator in a variety of different capacities. And they truly are a remarkable event. And in many respects, they become the opportunity for the, the host uh, city and the host country to really participate. In, you know, quote unquote, a normal Olympic Paralympic year, the ticket prices are just so outrageous that the, you know, quote unquote, regular person, particularly locals, aren't able to visit the venues, aren't able to purchase tickets to the, to the marquee events. But in a Paralympic context, the, the ticket prices are significantly lower yeah. yeah they're 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 less expensive and so you see the community you see school groups um you see uh, the the local host city kind of reveling in we did this and we get to actually experience it and we get to celebrate it it's unfortunate I, you know again in a beijing in a, a north china context they're not probably able to do that today but the transportation and the athletes like, like part of the experience is being able to go see your peers um, compete and being able to go celebrate with your friends and colleagues in different sports and that's that's been taken away from them a little bit and so I, I, I feel badly for those athletes where you know Brian McKeever who you mentioned this is a sixth game so you know he's had other opportunities but if you're a new Paralympic athlete yeah. and this is your first games I hope they stick around long enough so that they get to go to Italy in 2026 and get to get that sense of a athlete's village you know being able to to celebrate with your peers being able to connect and socialize and and just meet other people from different teams that's me is is really a, a sad now again maybe that's a first world problem um in today's kind of current landscape but nonetheless it's still unfortunate that they're not able to kind of get that full experience yes and i just think about again katriana had some strong thoughts on russia being banned she says they should have been banned long before this ukraine invasion because of doping and all the rest yeah and i just it's the athletes that i feel terrible for because of the work that's gone in yeah, there's no question you know? about it well listen you go back to the, the salt lake city games in 2002 lee when you were involved you know, the, 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 the figure skating uh, scandal as it related to the judging with Jamie Soleil and David mm -hmm. Pelche. I mean, Russia was, you know, complicit in that. The doping scandal, the, the you know, the, the film Icarus, um, which, which highlights that. And then the two invasions that took place in between the two games. Yeah, I, I would agree with, with Katrina. Like, this should have happened a long time ago. At the same time, I say that without being 
behind closed doors and knowing what's actually happening with some of these decisions. And so I don't want to I, I don't want to come across because I don't fully understand the complexities. That of doesn't stop most people, David. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Fair enough. However, you know, knowing what I know, I would agree with Katrina. I, I think that the ban should have taken place and should have been more fulsome 10, 10 years ago. You're good with it. Yeah. 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 Well, lastly, I, well, go no, ahead. Yeah. No, yeah. But at the, at the same time, though, uh, that doesn't mean that I'm not empathetic or feel badly for those athletes who are not supportive of their government and are are the collateral damage in all of this and that they don't get to compete at a world stage simply because they are Russian citizens. Now, th this, this is a complicated one because you were talking about Ovechkin, I think, earlier and getting booed last night yeah. here in Calgary. I mean, we don't, we don't boo our own Russian hockey player. Um, yeah, I Cal noticed that. Vladar was it. Or, yeah. Zadorov. Zadorov, yeah. Um, so I, it's, it's, it's complicated and it's gray, and, but that's, that's, what, that's why it makes good conversation on a, in a talk, you know, sure talk show format, right? Is it's not black and white. And so I feel for, there probably are many athletes for Belarus and Russia who are not supportive of Putin or supportive of the invasion of, of Ukraine, but are now being told that you can't compete because you are a citizen of that country. Um, I, I, my, under, my impression would be is that that's a collateral damage though that is necessary in this instance. Um, I think in the past what's happened is, is that, you know, governing bodies have made those allowances because of that, and they haven't taken the hard stand and said, no, you can't participate. I'm, I'm in agreement with what the IPC has decided and said, no, you're not coming, but we are not naive to that this may punish some people unfairly, mm -hmm. but you're still not coming. And just lastly, before I let you go, put the uh, Mount Royal hat on. U Sports in Canada West has survived COVID and it seems stronger than ever. I see some big crowds for events here and with the national volleyball coming up, what's well, at the UFC That's right. Uh, this spring? It looks like it's rocking again. Oh, it is so nice to be back watching my student athletes uh, participate in Mount Royals had a great year if I can yeah, if I can speak on behalf of Mount Royal our men's hockey team just lost to UBC on Sunday night two to one our women's hockey team lost to the University of Saskatchewan tight games tight yeah. games and one in you know the second game was in overtime our women's volleyball team is the only one that's still left playing they're playing this weekend against UFC and UBC in the qualifiers with the hopes fingers crossed that they make the national championships which are as you mentioned are being held at the University of Calgary in in March you know interesting side story that one of the premier players on that on the women's volleyball team is a young lady from Ukraine um, whose mom and dad are still there and she's trying to manage and deal with the fact that you know she's connecting with her parents trying to make sure that they're safe at the same time trying to be a student and also be a student athlete that's going to be competing hopefully again fingers crossed in the national championships in two weeks time um, these have you know the, the the stories that we talk about have impact on the individual level and on the you know the micro level they're not always just kind of things that are happening out there that we don't have a, a connection to well this has been fascinating I appreciate you coming down and thank you David for all you do for sport my absolute pleasure. All right, Great Dr. David Legg from uh, Mount Royal University. We'll be back. We've got more sports to update. We'll talk about that morning draw at the Briar. Viewer takeover. Plenty to come. We're live from Grey Eagle Resort and Casino, the Stage Bar specifically, and you're watching on Game Plus Television, carried all across Alberta and BC on TELUS Optic Cable. We're also live streaming on YouTube and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com. to youtube.com slash the rod peterson show now you gotta subscribe click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed
Morning breaks in the gateway to the foothills. The RP show continues from Great Eagle Resort and the Casino, Calgary's entertainment destination. So it's just you and me. I never even did mention where the moose is. He's gone to Phoenix. Just left this morning. I assume he got away fine. I haven't heard from him. Super Bowl, as you know, is in Glendale next year. So Moose is going down there to do some business and get everything all set up, and we're going to handle it here from Gray Eagle, which is just fine. But I'm going to turn it over to the viewers earlier now. That's you. And I'll get to the text line in a second, but Ryland is watching in Seattle, and if somewhere i got to go and find who it is. Ryland in Seattle says, does Ovechkin even care about getting booed? I know I wouldn't. He says, I admit I just got here. Not sure how Ovechkin getting booed was even a topic. Are you saying that it shouldn't have been a topic? Oh, man, right. You can't just walk into the middle of the coffee session and take over the discussion. You have no idea what we've been talking about. Darren Fleury was with us for most of our one. The of 1,084 NHL games. Of 1,088 NHL points. As Theo said, what, what does Ovi have to do with Russia invading Ukraine. Why boo the guy? And if you really want to know my take, go to rodpeterson.com right now. It's the commentary up. I don't feel like I don't want to go back remedially and catch you up. So how does he feel about being booed? How, how, have you been booed? Doesn't feel good. I have many times. Probably will by the end of today, Lee. Doesn't feel that? good. Who likes to be booed? Come on. And I think it was not a real Calgary thing to do. And now you guys are getting into Trump and Putin. We, we, we don't do that here. And you know that, Rylan. You've watched enough of this show before. A lot of our viewers are thanking Dr. David Legg for his work in the para -commu uh, sports community. Thank you, for Tacona, for, for pointing that out. We've got... Updates from the morning draw at the Tim Hortons Briar. Let's not forget about that. I think they're all off the ice now. Saskatchewan's Colton Flash beating Team Yukon 12-3. Flash goes to 4-2. Yukon falls to 1-5. I continue to wonder why Yukon sends a team. Brendan Botcher winning again. He goes to 6-0. He handed Team Wildcard 2. Team Dunstone his first loss. 8-7 was the score. Canada over Dunstone, 6-1. Sorry, 8-7. Dunstone's now 6-1. And, and of course, if Dunstone wins this whole thing, Saskatchewan's briar drought is over. And not even a debate. New Brunswick's Grattan over PEI's Smith, 9-3. So New Brunswick goes to 2-5. PEI goes to 1-5. And, and Glenn Howard got a big win. He represents Ontario in this whole shebang. They beat Newfoundland 7-3. So the morning draw is off the ice. Um, everything's on the table. Whatever you'd like to talk about. Again, Moose is not here, but we're going to bring Lee in the next couple of days. Ryland says, I get booed every time I walk into the Memorial Coliseum in Portland. Because you're a Thunderbirds fan. Big deal. It's not the same as 17,000 people in the Saddle Dome booing Ovi, which to be fair, Bob, it wasn't everybody. You and I weren't, but it was audible. Again, RP, the one fish swimming upstream. So maybe I'm in the wrong. 
You don't see me booing anybody. As my dad always said, cheer as loud as you want for your own team. Don't boo the other team. It's not right. Maybe that's just us. Ryan McCarthy watching in Saratoga, New York right now says, when the day comes when people start booing me at my job, that's the day I'll start booing any player. It's just not, it's just not a Calgary thing to do. Would you agree, Lee? It doesn't seem right. That's all. And again, Ovi has nothing to do with Russia invading Ukraine. And we could sit and talk about it for hours. Like as Dr. David Legg just said, there are Russian players on the flames, specifically Zadorov, that skyscraper defenseman. There are four Russians on the Capitals, but the naysayers will say, yeah, but they weren't photographed arm in arm with Putin. Yeah, they don't follow Putin on Twitter. I follow Justin Trudeau on Twitter, and I think he's a goof. Doesn't mean I like him. I've never voted liberal in my life, but I follow him on Twitter. I follow people I don't like on Twitter. What does that mean that Ovi follows Putin? Newsflash, social media isn't real. Okay? It's not. Anyways, I never did quite finish up. As a matter of fact, what I'll do is I'll take a break here, come back for overtime, and we do have MLB lockout stuff to talk about. Not for long, trust me, but there's news you should know. And a very big game for the Raptors tonight in San Antonio. We have some CEBL news, so hang on. We'll talk about that when we come back and whatever else you would like to discuss. It is the RP Show, and you are watching live from Gray Eagle Resort and Casino on Game Plus Television, YouTube live streaming, and of course, if you missed any portion of the show, you can catch the podcast wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts, including Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify. Have you subscribed to the Rod Peterson Show YouTube channel yet? Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. It is overtime. It's overtime. It is brought to you by the Four Seasons Sports Palace, your home for the UFC and the National Hockey League. Well, as I just said to our live studio audience here in the break of Gray Eagle, that's the one thing about me. That's why I have the show. I can't bite my lip like some people. And Theo can't bite his lip like some people, but that's what makes us entertaining. That's why we have a show. It's hard to go on the air for two hours every day and not say anything or not, not take a side or a stand. So anyways, and that's, you know, we're talking about Ovi here. Todd Mogi is watching in Winnipeg. He says, well said, Roddy, go Ovi. And how about those Jets last night? They just continue to tease you, don't they? That they're going to be a team that could make the playoffs and actually make some noise. They sure looked the part last night. A lot of goals scored last night in the NHL. Jennifer is watching at the Four Seasons. She says, well, we'll see what happens tonight in Edmonton. Hoping Oilers fans will do the right thing. And that is not boo Alex Ovechkin. As we say again, it seemed very un-Calgary-like to pull that with Ovi last night. And one more from Ryland in Seattle. He says, can we talk about Alice Cooper coming to town? I know, right? My mind is blown. I've seen these commercials for Mosaic Place and Moose Jaw. Did we add them? I didn't know that Mosaic Place is on the team, on the RP Show team, and Alice Cooper's coming to town? How about that? How did that not come up in our morning meetings? Yeah. It's all news to me. That's right. To the jaw. I'll get to the text line in a minute, but I mentioned sports uh, update. Where did it go? Uh, MLB. Negotiators 
for locked out players and Major League Baseball owners spent 16 and a half hours bargaining, then recessed talks until this morning as Commissioner Rob Manfred led his deadline to reach a deal preserving a 162-game season pass. Shortly after 3 a.m. on the 98th day of the lockout, MLB said no additional games had been canceled and talks will continue. And back to that, Ryland is in Seattle, a Major League Baseball market, and he says... Lifelong, hardcore MLB fan, they have been slowly losing me for the last decade. DH in the NFL, uh, in the NL is pushing me even further away from the game. There's just so much going on that I don't really miss it. The Blue Jays were supposed to play the Detroit Tigers today, but it's been canceled. We, we focus on who is playing, and the Toronto Raptors are back on the court tonight in Texas. Against the San Antonio Spurs, Spurs coach Greg Popovich is just one victory away from becoming the NBA's all-time winningest coach. Wouldn't it be very Toronto-like to be the team he beats to set the record, hey? For the Spurs. Popovich tied Don Nelson's NBA record with his 1,335th career victory in the Spurs' 117-110 win over the Lakers on Monday. Maybe tomorrow I'll tell you guys about the... the game that I went to in San Antonio with Snoop Dogg. Remember that one, Clark? The Lakers and Spurs? Snoop Dogg and I went, Bob. Yeah, that too. That's right. Snoop Dogg was sitting courtside. I was up in the nosebleeds, but we were in the arena at the same time. We were, I was there with him. Raptors have lost three in a row. The Niagara River Lions announced today the signing of Canadian forward Alonzo Walker. The six foot six forward from Brampton, Ontario, will join the team for the 2022 CEBL season after playing overseas for BC Previdza of the Slovakian League. This sports update for dubnetwork.ca, your number one source for Western Hockey League breaking news and analysis. Visit today, dubnetwork.ca. And for Ben Cahoon's G2G Protein Bars, now with eight amazing flavors, including my favorite, almond coconut. RP Show viewers get 20% off with a promo code RP Show. Order yours now at g2gbars.ca. You see me fiddling with my computer here because with Moose gone, I need to do a little more tap dancing on my own. So I'll go to the text line here. Regarding all the stuff that we've talked about today, Randy in the peg is watching and he says, I, f I agree, I feel sorry for Russian athletes. But if your country is known for cheating and you keep doing it, you're out. It's a big topic, isn't it, guys, that you kick Russia out of the world juniors, for instance. What are our, you know, what's my favorite sport? Hockey. Uh, you have all these young junior age players been training their whole life to play in the world juniors. For some, that's their big moment. And then you can't because your country went and invaded, invaded a neighbor. Doesn't seem fair. But I'm not going to stand in the way of the idea either. It just sucks all around. Can we agree on that? Jeff Coldwell watching in Redmond, Oregon, says, I've been a Seahawks fan since 1976. The rebuilding Russell Wilson trade doesn't bother me as much as them giving up two first-round picks for Jamel Adams just two years ago. Interesting uh, debate as to who won that trade. That's our poll question today for Capital Automall Universal Collision Center. Who won the trade?
the Denver Broncos, or the Seattle Seahawks. Basically, Russell Wilson in a fourth-round pick for half the team in Denver. That's a little facetious, but it's right around 50-50. It's very hard to pick a winner on that, especially 24 hours after the trade was made. But if you saw Michael Irvin on SportsCenter, he's saying Denver, too. He's saying this immediately makes the Denver Broncos a contender because they have the quarterback. Last minute of play. Last minute of play in the RP show. It's going by fast. Larry is watching in Medicine Hat on Game Plus TV, and he says, here I thought the Vikings would win the NFC North, but alas, Aaron Rodgers decides to stay in Green Bay. Yeah, what a day in the NFL. And, you know, back to Michael Irvin. If you saw the, his clip on SportsCenter, he said, uh, NFL, not for long. What he meant in this instance was the offseason, not for long. They're back in business in the NFL. And the other leagues, um, quiet. Anyways, that's it. I want to thank uh, Theo Fleury, Mike Dugar, the Athletic Seattle, Dr. David Legg, our live studio audience here at Gray Eagle. We'll see you tomorrow with another star-studded edition at noon Eastern right here on Game Plus TV. You prick! <laughs> For more Rod Peterson on demand, visit rodpeterson.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.